Hi, and welcome back to the Skylight Books podcast. My name is Tyler Austin. I'm a bookseller at Skylight Books. Uh, thank you so much for joining us again today. We are here with the uh, writers of TCM Underground, uh, the 50 must-see films from the world of cl uh, classic cult and late-night cinema. Uh, they are Millie DeShirico, who is a film historian, writer, and programmer, formerly worked as the chief programmer for TCM Underground. She is also one half of the film podcast, I Saw What You Did, which spotlights unexpected thematic double features. We're also joined by Toya Murray, who is a film critic and writer that has worked with TCM and Filmstruck, as well as written under the moniker The Cinephiliac with the contributions to Time, Pretty Clever Films, and Movie Boozer. Her work often focuses on diversity, representation, and historical context in film. Thank you both so much for, for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. My pleasure. So excited to talk about this book and these movies. And uh, I guess I just wanted to start first by kind of asking, how did this take the jump from TCM programming to book form? Um, I guess I can answer that. Um, you know, I had been programming the franchise for many, many years. It launched in 2006, actually. And, um, you know, I think... Um, I just think over time, it felt like maybe uh, this could be a book or something, you know, and I remember talking to um, some of my colleagues at TCM about kind of ideas about cult movie books that um, maybe TCM could be involved with. And uh, I think, you know, there was just ideas kicking around and then the pandemic happened and then everything just kind of like froze in time. Um yeah. And then they it eventually came back around and uh, it had been on for so long that I think that it felt like there was sort of enough titles that had aired as part of the franchise that we could maybe like create a book like this. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of how it began. I mean, Toy, I don't know if you have anything else to add to that. Cause I know at some point um, I kind of, jumped out of it and then you were going to do it by yourself. And then we decided to collaborate and you were already in France. So I know it was a little complicated, but. Yeah, it was a bit of a mix. So yeah, definitely uh, in the pandemic, I know this is Millie was in her transition period after leaving LA and then you were back home in Florida for a little bit. And I think that's when talks about the book first started. Um, and so Millie and I were doing TCM Slumberground together, our web series that we got through TCM uh, Underground, um, still on YouTube. Feel free to check it out. It's a great series. Um, but yeah, so just kind of during that time, Millie just reached out and, you know, had this book kind of on the, the table to write. But I think it was just not a great time for her to kind of take it on by herself. So she offered it to me and I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. You know, dream come true. Would love to do it. But like I'm moving to France. Like I can't do an entire book by myself. So we basically just decided to like, you know, do it together, uh, split the titles 50-50. And yeah, it just kind of worked like that. It ended up being kind of a e fairly easy for it to be our first book. And, you know, there was a lot of hard times that we both were enduring dealing with it because of our transition periods. But I think working together was a very easy uh, situation to kind of get it done. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's if I, I also, uh, whenever I write, I, I work with another person, I work with a partner, and I always feel like that's the best situation where you can kind of always, whenever any of you is like, you have to have doubting days and like confidence days, and you just trade off. So I, yes. I, I'm sure there was a couple of those when you're writing a book, a lot, uh, you know. 
Definitely, yeah. definitely. No, I just, I, I think I always, um, I mean, even though I was doing TCM Underground by myself, um, I always wanted to collaborate with people. You know what I mean? Like I always felt like there were so many cool people at the network that were interested in, you know, cult films and kind of, you know, doing cool things. And I think, um, you know, I was just always wanting people to like, I just wanted, I'm like a team player type. I like working <laughs> with people and in teams. And so, um, yeah, the thought of, of co-writing a book, I think was appealing to me because it's like kind of the two heads is better than one scenario. Um, and also just, you know, uh, gives other people a chance to, you know, kind of weigh in on some of these titles, which feel like, you know, we need more representation in that area. So. Absolutely. Well, I think you kind of you said it there. Uh, when it comes to being like a cult film, part of the fun is being in a cult with other people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that's I mean, I guess that's really the definition of a cult in many ways. But it's like you want to be able to share and break down and in, in, in these things in minute detail with other people. That's the fun is like finding your other person in the crowd who's like, I love chopping mall. Let's talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, which that was, I was going to ask, is there just going to be a whole sequel book on Chopping Mall? Because I notice it's not in this one. <laughs> no, I, yeah. oh, I mean, I, ideally, we'd love to have a sequel. Um, and, and it was a concerted effort between the both of us that, like, I know there's a lot of, you know, the hardcore cult films that people kind of expected. There are some that, you know, you would expect to be in the book and then a lot that weren't. Um, and I think that that was just kind of a concerted effort that we just, we looked at all the titles that had been played on TCM Underground over the years. And it really just kind of came down to, first and foremost, what are movies that we were passionate about talking about? And like, you know, not that Chopping Mall is not in that, but it was also <laughs> what are movies what are movies that haven't had a second look? You know, what are movies that people, when we're talking about cult films, what has been kind of overlooked? And I feel like everybody that I know within the cult world, everybody knows Chopping Mall, you know, like that, that's kind of the one that, and you know, that one and, you know, millions of others, but the, they're just some that are like, we knew that those were the ones that have been kind of talked about ad nauseum and it just kind of felt like, okay, well, what are some other ones that we can have the opportunity now to kind of, give a little bit of light to. And I think that that's what is kind of reflected in the book. Absolutely. Well, I was going to ask, I mean, because obviously there were hundreds and hundreds of movies that were shown as part of TCM Underground and, and you got it down to 50. I mean, what was that process like? I, I guess, other than just being like, having to make some tough calls, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, for me, I think I was, I was really informed by books like this type of you know like i i grew up you know i mean i a lot of my um film discovery period happened like pre-internet basically uh you know i was like a teenager and a young adult before the internet um so a lot of my education about cult movies came from books so um you know, it was stuff like the Psychotronic Guide to Film and the Danny Perry cult movies books and the video hound guides and that kind of stuff. Um, and they were, you know, even with stuff like the Malton guides and that kind of stuff, like the Pauline Kale books. And so it's that thing where you're like, um, I just would re would read these like kind of cult movie guides and see, okay, these are like these types of movies that get talked about a lot. 
Um, the, like you're always going to find a racer head in these books and, you know, like pink flamingos and, you know, that kind of stuff. So I was really kind of like informed by that. And so when I was making selections, um, I was kind of thinking, okay, well, well, first of all, I mean, I have to say that, you know, the whole, the book is guided by the franchise, right? So, so essentially the, the movies had to have played on TV. So that I think creates you know, already a, a dividing line between things that we could write about and couldn't write about just because, you know, there's a, so many movies that we, you know, I would have loved to have programmed for the network, but there's no TV rights or there was like some, you know, some kind of hiccup with trying to get rights. Um, it's kind of why there's not a ton of like international titles in the book, unfortunately, because, you know, US TV rights, it's difficult to get international stuff a lot of times. Um, so, you know, it was already like pared down by nature of that. But then when I was kind of pairing my 25, cause we kind of split the titles 25 and 25. And so when I was kind of coming up with what I wanted to write about, it was like, again, going through these old texts and being like, okay, well, I feel like that movie has been covered a lot by people instead of writing about pink flamingos, maybe you write about polyester, which feels sort of less written about a lot of times, or, you know, uh, let's pick a movie like wild seed, which I feel like nobody has ever written about. Uh, and somebody should. And so, I don't know, for me, it was kind of that type of thing. It was stuff that I like, like was passionate about, but also things that I felt like, you know, sort of like needed to be out, out there a little bit, you know what I mean? I don't know if Toya, you felt the same way, but yeah, I definitely did. And I do think that basically having TCM Underground as the framework for what we could talk about that really kind of helped us not kind of because I, I think it just would have been way too much to just kind of make ourselves the purveyors of all things cult that just that wasn't what we were trying to do. That's not really what we wanted to do. So it really helped to just kind of have based on everything that has been programmed on TCM Underground over the years. This was our starting point. Um, and, you know, to Millie's credit, I mean, there's been 400 plus films that have been programmed on TCM Underground over the past, you know, 16 years that it was a franchise. So it really just kind of came down to looking at this list and like picking what kind of popped out. Uh, and for me, my choices, a lot of them. It was it was really great because a lot of my favorite movies have already been played on TCM Underground, so mm -hmm. it, it really wasn't difficult. Like I, I think like that question gets asked, and it I always am like, oh, it was kind of easy, and for me, it kind of was because I just once I saw what we already had, I was able to just go, oh, definitely, definitely, that has to be <laughs> because for me, it was a lot of you know very similar these movies that you know my my particular twenty five. I haven't seen people critically write about them in the way that I, you know, wanted to see. And a lot of these movies were movies that I had either always wanted to see or like, or, or even little stuff like Little Darlings, just being able to say, oh my God, that was like my favorite movie when I was a kid that was on TV all the time. And then kind of finding out it had this really interesting history that it is barely, it's kind of impossible to find through the proper channels right now because of rights issues. So, you know, it's just the, the hope that with more, attention to these types of movies that maybe now more people will get, you know, be able to talk about these or find ways to, to, to seek, seek them out. And then, you know, hopefully these like companies will be able to just kind of like help get these rights together so that these films can be seen by, you know, the amount of people that need to see them. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, 
the rights issues are so frustrating with with certain things where you're just like, can, can we get the heartbreak king on, uh, you know, Blu-ray? <laughs> yeah, why exactly. is this pharmaceutical yeah. company holding on to its rights for dear life? You know, it just, it's, it's yeah. so frustrating. Um, well, so it's interesting because I love the book, the structure of the book, where it's kind of broken down into these great sort of definitive, um, like, categories. So did mm -hmm. that just kind of a, occur naturally? Because I, I feel like the end is sort of, I do love the last one, because that is a true, like, <laughs> it's the best way to say miscellaneous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Visual delights and other strange mind melters is like, could yes. it, you know, it's a perfect way to put it. But there's some great yeah. categories. There. Did that just kind of form naturally? I mean, I actually, I, I, I was probably the least creative person during this process because I was just like, oh, we're, I thought we were just going to do it alphabetically, <laughs> and then they were like, oh, <laughs> do you want to maybe try to do it some other type of way? And I, and then for that point, it's like, oh, of course. And now, of course, it make it's fun um, mm -hmm. to see it and uh, sort of divided in those sections. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it was sort of like I don't know, like a almost like a a team effort to kind of think outside the box when it came to the way to organize it, you know, cause, um, yeah. and, and then it was just also just a matter of trying to group like films, which I actually thought was kind of a cool, like little exercise thought experiment was, you know, just being like, okay, how do these, there's 50 titles and like, what are like, you know, how, how can we kind of sort these? Um, and yeah, I think that that like catch all, <laughs> like, straight uh, mind melters just the mind melters you know and, <laughs> but then you, you look at those titles you're like oh yeah those are weird like that's very like yeah it's a very interesting thing so yeah yeah there was a lot of uh just back and that was the fun part is the for i mean to me like a lot of the book was the fun part sitting and watching re-watching these movies sometimes mm -hmm. watching some of them for the first time Get, just getting to do the the research about them. Um, you know, I'm I'm a big nerd. I don't want to speak for Millie, but I'm pretty sure it's a similar. <laughs> big nerd for movies that it's just we just enjoy being able to do what we do. So I think like that was the fun part too, was being able to group them together. And we had just a big kind of Google tracking doc and then, you know, just lots of emails back and forth, but just throwing out ideas and, you know, seeing what stuck and seeing what kind of worked. And it just so happened to work out that, you know, these five little buckets that we created just so happened to fit all of these movies kind of perfectly in it. And I think that, you know, that goes to, you know, Millie's kind of programming mind. And I, I'm just, I love lists. I don't know what it is about a list, but like yeah. letterbox is my favorite thing. And just my private list is like the amount I have is insane because I just love creating these different little buckets for movies that I like, you know, based on whatever little theme. So I think that was kind of the, what, like how those came about. So satisfying. It's the most satisfying. <laughs> it, yeah. It's the hypothetical. I always think of like, you know, waiting in line for like screenings, either when I was in film school or or later in life is, you know, when you're with your friends, and you're like, okay, let's schedule a double feature, you know, come up with yeah. like, explain why it's a perfect double feature or come up with a list of things. It's the most, it's the most fun. And so I, I, I can I see how that would be very satisfying. Um, yeah. So I was going to say, I'm a huge, this, the first section is like, I am a sucker for crime films. I love them. <laughs> I love them all, all kinds, any which way. And uh, so, I mean, I just, I adore across 110th street. Uh, I, I think I found Silent Partner because of TCM Underground, and I would safely say it's like one of my favorite. I must rewatch every year movie now. Um, so I, uh, it's, uh, I mean, also I'm an Elliot Gould super fan. I you know, yes. I love that man so much, 
so mm-hmm. so much. Um, so do you have favorites in that in that section? Anything you'd want to t- highlight? Uh, we got across 110th Street, Friday Foster, which is phenomenal. Uh, I saw what you did. I'm going to get you sucker. The harder they come, the honeymoon killers, the silent partner, and Shaq out on 101. Mm. Yeah. Which yeah. I just, so Shaq out on 101, I was like, I want to go and watch one movie in the book I haven't seen so we could talk about it. Shaq out on 101 is amazing. <laughs> It is. Yeah, that I think is my favorite. I mean, honestly, I love I love all of them. They're like all my children. But I, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I love um, the silent partner, too. But um, oh, my gosh, Shaq, I don't want to want is So it was funny because it was kind of like it, it, it was like the, I think it might be the only like f- like film noir era title that we chose. And one of the like earlier titles in our book. And it was funny because I remember when I picked it, I was like, I wonder if like Eddie Muller is going to like <laughs> want to weigh in on this at some point, you know, being the noir guy for TCM. But um, I remember seeing it thinking it's just so like as a noir, it's it's very weird. Like it's got like a lot of like weird comedy in it. And uh, it kind of is like a play um, in a weird way, but then also just like. Lee Marvin, who, you know, is kind of like a cult movie actor, I would say. He's definitely like a great, I mean, he's a great actor, but he's been in a lot. Like, I think cult movie fans really love Lee Marvin. Um, And uh, I don't know. I just, yeah, that's probably my favorite out of all of them in this section. It's fascinating. I I, like, I've been talking, I've been talking nonstop about it to people, like begging them to watch it, to join the cult, basically. And (laughs) I'm like, I just sort of describe it as like film noir slash propaganda. Uh, (laughs) It has that element to it, but there's just the weirdness of it, of, I think you spotlighted in the book. and, And I love that you take those, the time to make these little notes of like, oh, so watch out for this moment, because this could never have been oversold. It was like perfectly sold as just like, yeah, there's a waitress who's making out while uh, explaining the branches of government. <laughs> it's just like, I truly, it's like just horny for America is like the only way I could yes. think to describe it. Uh, but there's yes. also like a crazy moment where Lee Marvin and the and the shack owner are like working out with barbells shirtless with slacks on. And I was like, this yeah. is the craziest thing I've ever seen. I love it. I know. It's like, I can't believe they like left that in this movie. Like I was kind of like, oh, yes. that felt like just two guys like improving, like two friends sort of like cutting up with each other. But it's in the movie. It's part of the, the story. So God bless them. Phenomenal. Yeah, it was so good. Uh, so t- yeah, Toy, did you have a favorite maybe out of that list? Yeah, uh, and it's so hard too because yeah, I mean, I truly like I, I adore every movie in this section. Um, but I think for me, it's a toss up between I'm gonna get you, sucker, and um, probably across uh, 110th Street. I just think that one, I just have nostalgic reasons for uh, I'm gonna get you, sucker. It's just another ch- childhood favorite since I was a kid. I've been watching that movie. I still to this day laugh at the same stupid parts i still like Mm -hmm. i love all the just outside ridiculous jokes about it but i think with across uh, 110th street it's just such a powerful movie and it's just so 
it's it's kind of it's it's in the vein, of course, of the crime thrillers of that era, but it's still so different. It's such a different perspective of how this story is told. Uh, and Anthony Quinn is just so intense, and just it's such a, an amazing performance from him. I think Yafet is incredible in it. Antonio Fargas. I just think that all around, all the performances are just absolutely just like intoxicating to watch. I just think it's a really really fantastic movie. So. Yeah, I'm just kind of glad that like to kind of put this one on the pedestal a little bit and kind of push it out there a little bit more. Oh, I, that's another one I love. And obviously, like the soundtrack is so great. Oh, the soundtrack is fantastic. Yeah, can't go wrong with Bobby Womack. Like, yeah, it's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And I think I, I've watched that one also probably off of TCM at some point. And just like the moment where you cut to like that Upper East Side apartment overlooking the park. And you realize mm-hmm. that this is the guy from the mob who's going to be like, like, he's kind of the black sheep of the family and he's going to be the yeah. one sort of like, like work. And I was like, this is special. I love where this is and going. Yeah. This is so cool. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, that's just a phenomenal movie. Uh, yeah, well, so I guess like bring, bringing it all the way back, like what initially inspired your interest in cult films? Was it just something, was it, I guess you kind of answered a little bit, but like the lists, just there are these things out there that you feel like you have mm. to find. Was that sort of all the way like what initially got you interested in in this topic um i'll answer first because i know it's probably different for um each of us but um i you know for me i i i was just always sort of interested in like weird sections of culture like as a child i loved like i like i loved tv i loved film i loved music um i loved like weird comedy you know i i like to say that my parents were like just perfectly boring people like they were not um they're not really into anything strongly like they're just sort of like you know they never um, introduced, like, you know, I was always jealous of people who had parents that, like, introduced them to, like, cool music and bands mm-hmm. and, like, albums and stuff. And I was like, no, my parents never, they had, like, three records in their collection. They had, like, ten DVDs. Like, you know, it's to this day. Um, so, I think it's just because of that, I was just always seeking for, like, things I'd never heard before, but also going into these kind of darker areas of, you know, culture. Like I was interested in anything kind of transgressive or punk rock or, you know, anything like that. And then, you know, to me, I think a lot of like cult film feels a little bit like record collecting in a weird way. Like when you're just trying to find stuff that you've never heard or never seen. And the world feels that way too. Like all these people who are like, have you heard this? Have you seen this? And so when I was a teenager, I was, it felt like this challenge that I needed to like um, fulfill, which is that, you know, at the time, again, pre-internet. So it was actually a challenge to find things like, you know, bootlegs of movies that I'd never seen before and had to drive downtown and go to the video stores and get things from behind the counter. And it was just that little that sort of secret world. And it was so, it was just everything I wanted in life. And so that's kind of how I came to cult film was sort of that way. It just felt like a, like a club, right. That you wanted to be in. So. That's funny. Cause I think we have, mine is kind of similar, but in different uh, regards. So yeah, I, I definitely, I just, I grew up with a TV in my room. I was one of those kids, you know, that just, 
everybody in the house had a TV in their own room. And so I think you just kind of easily, at least for me as somebody, I was just always interested in media, very similar to, to Millie, just music, movies, TV, anything that I can kind of get my hands on. And I think that I quickly became a little desensitized to regular television and movies. Uh, I also have an older brother. So he introduced me to like, you know, Pulp Fiction when I was like eight or seven years old or something <laughs> like that. So I'm seeing a guy get his head blown off very early on at a, at a young age. And so I, for me, I was always curious about these kind of darker corners of media. So I, you know, once then I you know, had the internet. And so once I started learning about movies that were banned or movies that were hard to find, I made it my mission to find all of these movies. And so mm -hmm. I was the kid that was like, you know, figuring out how to get a fake credit card number or like, you you know, steal a credit card number offline so that I could buy Solo from some Italian company that like just to buy, just to watch it for the first time and immediately was like, I never want to see this again. So it's like, just, it, you know, you kind of go down that route. And with my brother, I specifically remember watching Troll 2 for the first time with him and just the sheer, just joy of him just laughing and just dying laughing watching this movie. And my brother's a big, like, he likes to rewind things and, like, tell you the part that he thinks is funny. And so watching him do that, it just felt, it, I felt cool. I just remember feeling like, oh, okay, so this is a, a world that I want to be in. And I think just with the internet, just once you kind of learn about all these different lists and, you know, in movies that have been banned or 10 hard to find things. It's, you know, very similar to Millie. It becomes a challenge like, okay, well, I'm going to find it. So I always wanted to be the the kid that, you know, knew the guy at the video store who could get me uh, the right copy, but I was a little too young for that. So video stores were kind of dead by the time I was old enough to, to drive, unfortunately. Same. It was a sad thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I had to rely on like a dying blockbuster video. And then even that's yeah. not as much fun. It doesn't give exactly. you a breadth of options. But uh, exactly. also, it, it, you, you talk about knowing that guy in the lists and things. And, and um, obviously, like Silver Screen Fiend was a book I read that kind of put into perspective a lot of like what it was I was doing <laughs> at, yeah. at that time. I think it came out when I was in college and I was obsessively trying to track down movies and renting things from like the school library and things uh, the, from uh, where I was going. And so Patton Oswalt writes the forward of this book. And was it hard keeping him just to an introduction? I feel like he could have written <laughs> <laughs> another 10 pages at least. Yeah, no, I'm sure he probably could have, uh, but I, I he uh, definitely nailed the assignment, which uh, yeah. we were just so appreciative for because, you know, he's a busy guy and um, the idea that he would uh, even take the time out to do something like this for us is so yeah. great. I, I think we both really admired him. And, you know, in fact, like he there was at the very like the whole he has actually has like a, a tiny tie to the franchise because you know at very beginning like 2006 like when the franchise first got off the ground you know like um there was a, a idea kicking around that he might host it at a certain point um and that never happened um which is all for shame by the way like i still think about that i'm like what would it have been like for Patton to host the franchise it would have been so <laughs> fun um but um but you know he's always like uh, been really nice about promoting some of the you know the feature the double features you know on twitter and stuff like over the years 
Um, and so, yeah, I think it was sort of like, he was kind of like a first choice for us when we were thinking mm-hmm. about who could maybe write it. And yeah, he, he totally nailed it. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely felt right. And that was a perfect, perfect person to pitch it to. And yeah, we're just like thrilled because I mean, I've been following Patton for, I mean, I feel like almost like over like decades, like, you know, plural at this point, which is wild, but just his stand up, I've always been a fan of Patton. So it's just truly like, I, it's still insane to me when I look at the book and I'm like, oh yeah, he did do that. <laughs> yeah. His name is right there on the cover. It's his really name cool. is there. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, and I, and he, I think you exactly, like you say, he nailed the assignment and I think he did such a great job. There are two things when I was reading through it that really struck me. And one is that he'd like, basically nails the idea of like why we should consume movies which is just like taking Mm -hmm. us out of our own minds for a moment taking us out of the world for a few moments and i thought that's such a perfect beautiful thing like that's that's what gives any movie value the ability for it to do that and uh and secondly that basically his advice for the book and is someone like him who talks about his reliance on lists as he was a young cinephile is he was like jump around find the things that sound Mm -hmm. good to you and I think that's such interesting. Do you feel like that's kind of the, I mean, it's, that doesn't seem like it's meant to be consumed necessarily in order. No, it's definitely not. Yeah, we, we, I don't remember it actually being a conversation of how this would be read, but I think like we both just intuitively felt that like this, yeah, you should just be able to pick it up and flip through and just kind of pick whatever movie seems cool. Uh, and we're really grateful that we got to just kind of have the designer that we did that, made the the pictures and everything look so bright and vibrant so i'm a big proponent of yeah pick it up whatever image strikes you whatever page whatever words you find read it and then you know hopefully discover a movie that you didn't either know about or something to just kind of revisit yeah it would be an honor if um you know for me it would have been it would be the highest honor to see a the book destroyed just by like going back and forth yeah. so much and like with the <laughs> right little on. like you know bookmarks and like mart like notes in the margins kind of thing kind of thing so i'm kind of like yeah if i guess if you hop around it means that you're engaging with it you know in mm-hmm. in a i don't know just a in a in a bigger way or something and i i would love that if that were the case for people so absolutely i mean just to quickly even mention, because obviously we're in a we're in an audio only medium at the moment, but if you come to the store and look at it, it basically is like the most beautiful textbook you've ever seen in your life. Uh, <laughs> you know, it just has these great great photos and, and screen you know screen grabs from the movies, and then like the the little spotlights that are in the corner and different things. Like I I adore I love um, the whole section on uh, roller skating films or the whole the, the you have yeah. one film. But then you list all the other ones that were in that same section, uh, that same sort of era. And I love, mm-hmm. like, I saw Kansas City Bomber on TCM and was like, this is so lovely. And, and these are also <laughs> great. And it just gives you a great list to work from that way. So I think that's such a yeah. smart way to have, to have done it. It's, you know, that's just yeah, complimenting you. It's not really like, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> we, listen, we appreciate it because that was like a big part for me, too. Like going through, you know, these books as a teenager, like, the little breakout sections were, you know, really important for me because it was kind of like, um, just like a quick reference guide to, to certain things. And it it was like, especially when it comes to like that kind of micro genre thing of like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, 
especially like a thing like roller skating movies or like even just a focus on a certain director or an actor. Um, you know, that to me was like, okay, cool. That's like the quick reference guide. I got it. I can just check all this stuff off. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a quick way to give you like a vein to access. Like it's like, oh great. Now I can go down this whole digression and watch everything from rollerball to skate town USA. <laughs> They're all yeah. here. And it's just so great. Yeah. I, I think that's so cool. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I think so, too, it's like in, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, please continue. No, I was going to say, I think too, it's a, it's indicative of kind of how as a generation we consume. Well, I don't even think as a generation, I just think cult fans in general, how we consume. It's like, you know, once you learn about one thing or this one element of a film, it just becomes this like, okay, now I want to watch all of this. Now I want to see all the, these types of movies, or I want to find all the movies with this guy or this person starring in it. Um, so I think it was really cool to just kind of be that like quick, you know, almost wiki rabbit hole in ourselves of just like on one page. I thought that was pretty fun to do. That's really cool. And and it's so true. And you mentioned Letterboxd earlier, and it's always so funny to like go back and watch what you, or look at what you've watched and you go, wow, I was in a real uh, Western mood for like a month. Yeah. That like where'd that yeah. come from? You know, you're just kind of area. Yeah. So it's always, you're so right. That is the viewing habits of just like, Oh, I'm really in this thing right now. And I'm going to watch it for the next week. Um, yeah. which is cool. I mean, it's a great way to kind of set people up for that, uh, the ability to do that. Uh, I guess so. I guess the, another question is just, were there, were there any ones that were just on the outside of 50 that you were like desperate to get in, but just couldn't make it? Hmm. I feel like they're, I'm trying to think, because I, I feel like for me, I feel like there has to be, but I don't, I can't think of any. I, I feel like, uh, at least for my 25, I felt very confident in the, the 25 that I had. I think that, you know, there's definitely more I could have talked about. Um, and of course, if we didn't have the parameters of TCM Underground. I mean, there's, you know, hundreds of more I could have talked about, but I think that just kind of given what we had, the the kind of line to stay inside, I, 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 I felt good about the 25 that I picked. Um, I think that anything extra would have just been like, oh yeah, well, why not? And I, I think that instead I liked having like, no, definitely, like these are definitely the ones I want to focus on. So yeah, that, that's kind of personally how I felt. Yeah, there was probably a couple um, that I sort of had added and then took off the list. I mean, um, there was actually a title that I had written about before for TCM, like a long time ago, um, uh, called Blood Freak. I don't know if any of you remember this movie from like the early 70s about the a guy that grows the turkey head or whatever <laughs> after taking LSD. And, um, <laughs> but it, to me, that was like a movie that there, I was presented to me very early on in my cult film education. Like that was the thing too, was that I was like, there were titles like blood freak, like blood feast by Herschel Gordon Lewis, um, faster pussycat kill, kill by Russ Meyer. That were like these formative, films like they were just like uh, the the titles that introduced me to this entire world and there was a moment where i was like i i I was like like in my mind thinking well i should be like leaning into these titles 
But then those titles were, have been written about so much that I, you know, thought, okay, like, do we need another, you know, piece on Blood Feast? I don't know. Like, maybe it's an opportunity to take it another title and talk about it. But Blood Freak was the one that I was like, I really want, like, I kind of want to go hard on this title uh, just because it's so, such a weird film. But then it ended up being like, I kind of put it in and then I took it out. So that was pretty much, you know, one of the only ones that almost made it, but didn't. So. And actually, I lied. There was a lot, now that I'm thinking about it, but I forgot, <laughs> that the, I forgot the reason that I felt confident with not putting a lot in was because so many of the films we've talked about uh, on TCM Slumberground. So for me, a yeah. lot of those, it was like, oh, okay, if, we, if we've already talked about these, we've already kind of gone through the history, then I, I, at the time, I couldn't justify putting them in the book. Uh, and the one that for me that I really, really, really wanted to talk about, but it had just, it just missed the the kind of cusp. At the, it was it was weird trying to figure out what could be included and whatnot because uh, River's Edge was one, and it had it oh. technically hadn't been on TCM Underground just yet, but it was going to be in a few months when we were writing it. So it was just kind of one of those things too. And so, but thankfully they talked about it on Slumberground, but I do wish that I could have had the opportunity, particularly to write about that one. Cause I just adore that movie and I just kind of wanted to go in on that one. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, again, this is an audio medium, but so often, like when it, when one of you mentions a title, just imagine that I'm nodding along very <laughs> like, yes, River's Edge, yes. <laughs> did, did you find that when you were writing it, so you said you came, kind of came up with your lists independently, was there like, do, do you find that your tastes uh, cross over? Were there any crossover selections you kind of had to duke out who was going to get what or? Yeah, we had uh, only two films that crossed over, actually, and it was uh, Ganja and Hess and Little Darlings, and Millie was very kind and gave those to, to me to write about. But um, honestly, our taste, like our, of course, you know, the tastes are similar, just the terms of their cults, but there's like Millie just has a whole world of knowledge and just movie viewing that I don't. So there was a lot that I have learned, I'm still learning from a lot of the the, the picks that she picked. Um, there's still movies that, I mean, there's like a, a like a handful that I still haven't seen that I'm like, I know I'm going to, I haven't underlined, it's on my list, like I have to do that. So I'm, I'm still discovering some of the things that are in the book too. Um, and I think a lot of that, yeah, it's just based on the, the awareness and knowledge that she has a, a lot about a, a lot of the things that she knows. So, so yeah, that was the cool part was just kind of like, you know, I mean, she's, you know, the, the queen of underground. So there was no questioning anything that she did because I was like, Oh no, I trust it. You know, your shit. Um, yeah, I can, we can curse on this, right? I assume this yeah, is a bad, but okay. Fuck yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Cool. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, so I, so I was like, you know, I know she knows her shit, but it was really cool to just kind of see, the movies that she did pick and then now like still have my own kind of separate little like watch list not only just because of that list but also just a lot of other movies that you know she talks about on her other podcasts and just kind of in general so so yeah yeah i actually um i wasn't surprised that we didn't cross over a lot because i that's what i think is so cool about working with other people is that they just kind of have this entire uh different experience than you do and and to me you know i was more than happy to give the two that did cross over to toya because it's like 
Of course, I wanted to hear you talk about Gonj and Hess, like what that movie meant to you as a Black woman. I would love to hear your perspective on that. And same for Little Darlings, to be honest, because it's like, I don't know, part of what I think is valuable about, you know, bringing other people into the fold in these worlds is that you're listening to how other people got into things and what their Mm -hmm. takes on these movies are. Because, you know, at least from my experience, again, like uh, reading these um, film guides, they were primarily, if not all written by like older straight white guys. So, you know, I was like, okay, cool. Like, we got an opportunity here to hear what somebody else thinks of like a movie that I've only heard talked about by men. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, let, let's go, let's give her these titles and like, let her go wild on them. But th- I also think too, like, you know, we're not like too far off in age, but also I think, you know, maybe there is like a small little generational mm-hmm. shift between toy and I. So it was like, how she discovered certain titles and like her big titles were probably a little bit different than mine. And, uh, and then I know that Toya is like a huge horror fan. And so I knew that that was going to be like a big thing for her. So I don't know. It, it didn't surprise me that we didn't cross over, but at the same time, um, I'm glad it, it, it didn't yeah. because there was so many things that, you know, to write about, yeah. you know? Well, that's usually, that's a great sign of a, of a partnership is where you kind of fill each other's gaps a little in a nice way. And mm-hmm. so I think that's, yeah. that's always like, that's a really great sign. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say, and, and I love the book. I love what, what I, one of the things I love about the book is it, it does have this sort of wide range of, of options and things, including documentary. Uh, yeah. which I thought is so cool. And like the decline of Western civilization, you have all three parts. Uh, and I guess I would just, if, if you want to speak on, on that real quick, cause I think it's just so cool that there's three random documentaries in there. I kind of love that. <laughs> there's actually, I think technically Satanus, the devil's mass is technically a documentary too, even though okay. it's like a, I don't know, <laughs> it's a, it's a documentary, but it's more like a Mondo shockumentary type of thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Gotcha. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Even though I do think that the second decline of Western civilization is also a Mondo movie, personally. Um, But, um, you know, I think for me, the decline documentaries were, um, I mean, those were truly underground titles when I was growing up. I could never find copies of them. And it wasn't until, you know, Penelope put them out on, on DVD when that box set came out like a few years ago that, you know, I had seen it in a a really nice looking s- state. I mean, before I think I saw the first decline documentary on like really bad bootleg, like rentable by a video store, but like looked <laughs> like shit. So I was <laughs> I was stoked when those came out, and then yeah. So to me, I felt like those were like formative uh, doc- like text, and I also think too that like documentary films are there's so many cult documentaries out there i mean there's like i mean we played crumb and it you know was technically uh an an option for the book um but there was again so many titles um and i that's like the one thing that i think is um something that i was surely passionate about when not just programming underground but the book was to add documentaries in there because they were a big um they were big for me when i was going through you know the cult world so and i think with with decline uh it's it's interesting too because i think again it just kind of goes into the 
the kind of way that both of us view movies and just kind of where they differ, but also where the similarity, because so before the book I had, I had seen to kind of uh, Western civilization, the entire trilogy, maybe like a, like a, a year, all probably to the date before we started writing the book, like beforehand. Uh, and I absolutely loved the first one. And I just adored the third one because it was more of my generation. Like I was mm. at the, in that teenage age, the, the era that these kids were, and I hated the second one. I hated <laughs> it. So it's really interesting because that's Millie. I think that's Millie. I don't want to speak for you, but I think that's your favorite one. It's the second one. So I, yeah. I, I was so cute and I just loved her perspective on it and why she likes this movie so much and like what this, you know, does and means and so I think that that's the the cool part about being able to write something like this is that you know we may not always agree but like I think there's always a respect of kind of like how we view each other like how we view films and so you know it's definitely made me like I'm I'm, I'm more interested to go back and rewatch the second one but because of like through the perspective <laughs> of the book <laughs> but just the hair metal is not my world I just don't <laughs> like the decadence of it all it was just it was it was a painful one for me but i enjoyed reading her perspective on it so yeah so it's just cool to be able to include uh, all those yeah that's that's i love that that's so great that you can do in the same (laughs) trilogy you can love and love yeah yeah Yeah. is it the second one that correct me if it's it's ozzy osbourne like cooking eggs that yes. is burning my brain. <laughs> That's the best thing. I, yes. Yes. I'll forget my birthday before I forget that. <laughs> it's the funniest thing in the world to me. Oh, God. Yeah, it yeah. is. I will. I mean, as much I, I have to to add a little caveat, which is that I truly cannot believe that that era existed ever i was like (laughs) like like that is part that's i think why i think it's a mondo film because it's truly just like i cannot believe that that era existed and like (laughs) people were like the 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 whole interview with paul stanley from kiss and he's in bed (laughs) with like these women like as part of his interview for this documentary lighting and like unbelievable (laughs) and so yeah to me you know i I, age-wise uh that was definitely around when i was growing up and so yeah when i saw that for the first time i was like I mean, I don't even know what to say. Like, it just feels like a, a document from an ancient civilization in a weird way. And I'm just, so that's what the fascination is for me. It's just that, right? Yeah, definitely. Oh, d- completely understandable. It doesn't make it <laughs> yeah. any sense. It's, yeah. Well, and, that, yeah. and that's what's so kind of lovely about, and like you said, there's a ton of documentaries that have been into that. And that's, if if they're good, that's what they should do, right? They should feel exactly. like this thing you'll never be able to touch, but it, it actually happened, right? It, I always think about that with like hands on a hard body is another one that always, totally. I guess, in that cult documentary space that I think I saw that at a midnight new bev screening. And I was like, this is the best thing. I, this is so amazing. I, yep. I, just, I couldn't recommend it enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've never yeah, seen so that, but it. I'll add that to my list. Okay. Oh, it's good. Really it's good. good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a delight. Uh, it's just a real, it's a real weird one. Uh, <laughs> I love it. But uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, well, we, we've really, we've talked it up and uh, I, I'll just say quickly, and I kind of as a part of wrapping up, like you kind of, we talked about all these great lists and you mentioned like the Pauline Kales, uh, 5,000 and One Nights at the Movies and all these things. And I, and I, and I love that in uh, 
the Skylight Books Arts Annex, where we can buy this book, 1814 North Vermont. This book is up on the same shelf as all those. And I think it's such a deserved oh. place to join that kind of pantheon is really, is really awesome. That's awesome. That's oh, really wonderful to hear. I, <laughs> I'm a huge, huge fan of Skylight Books. And I, I, I wasn't in LA when we published it. Like I had already left. So the idea that it's on that shelf with all of those in, in Skylight is really warming my heart right now. So yeah. thank you. <laughs> um, I'm really glad that's it. And again, for the sequel, come back out. We'll do a big event. We'll blow it out. <laughs> or whatever oh, yeah. you work on. Please, we'll, we'll set it up. <laughs> Amazing. Thank uh, you. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, both uh, our guests and listeners. And, uh, you know, again, come and get TCM Underground 50 must-see films from the world of classic cult and late-night cinema at the Arts Annex of Skylight Books in Los Angeles. And thanks again. Thank you. Thank you, Tyler. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Skylight Books podcast series. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to check out the book featured in this episode or others, please visit skylightbooks.com. If you're in the Los Angeles area, stop by for one of our live in-person author events. You can find a calendar on our website. If you like this podcast, leave us a review. It really helps us out. Our music is by Doug the Piano Wire. Till next time. Mm-hmm.